This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hello, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, along with my producer, Chris Bolig. I'm here every week as we talk about the mental side of sports on this show. I've been here at Sports Radio 810WHB, our flagship station, for the last 18 years, 28 years on radio here in Kansas City. My 38th year of work as a sports psychologist, and look forward to doing this show with you each and every week as we talk about your mind, your attitude, your focus, how you deal with success and failure, what do winning and losing really mean? How do we achieve our goals in sports? What are the obstacles and barriers we have to overcome to be the best we can be? I've been very lucky in the sense that I've been able to work with athletes at all levels of competition throughout my career and had the privilege of working with some great Hall of Fame athletes all the way down to young athletes who are just getting started. And one of the things that strikes me as I get into this show every week, and our show, by the way, is growing. We're now on in 10 cities around the country, is this issue. As a coach, how are you trained? What are you trained in in terms of teaching kids? You learn about fundamentals. You learn about X's and O's. You learn how to run plays, how to swing a bat, how to hit a racket, how to swim a stroke, how to run properly how to lift weights. But what training do you have in your mind? What training do you have as a coach when it comes to mental training, confidence building, confidence destroying? As a coach, how do you assist your athletes at growing mentally? What have you been trained in to help them? I've looked at a lot of coaching programs over the last week or so, and there's minimal training in psychology. There's a lot of emphasis on how to coach certain plays. There are coaching programs in sportsmanship, which is part of the psychological part. What's good sportsmanship by a coach or fans or players, but what about mental training for athletes from coaches? What do coaches learn in their training in terms of how to coach psychology? I want to get into that today with you. If you're a coach, if you're an athlete, if you're a parent, love to hear your comments and opinions. You know, one of the things I see all the time And I don't care if it's a professional athlete in the NFL, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, professional triathletes, confidence. The whole confidence thing comes down in the end 
to determining so much of whether you succeed or fail. And I cannot tell you how many athletes I have had over the years, and not just 12-year-olds or 15-year-olds, but professional and collegiate athletes who will open up to me about the fact that they've had coaches that destroy their confidence at some point, and there's this cloud in their head that hangs around there from the stuff coaches told them, negatively screaming at them, degrading them, insulting them, cutting them down. I had a college basketball player, a very, very prominent college basketball player. She had, and when I asked her when I started working with her, she played at a big-time D1 program. If we had to measure your confidence from 1 to 10, 1 being low and 10 being high, where would you say it is? So Dr. Jacobs, to be very honest with you, is about a minus 5. Now, this was a very successful player. I said, why is your confidence minus 5? She said, because my high school coach destroyed it. My high school coach degraded me, insulted me, cut me down. If I go 7 for 8, all she would do is scream at me for missing a shot. If I made a bad pass, even though every ever pass was good, she'd yell at me about that. And that message is in the back of my head. And all I can hear is that negativity. I said, well, did you ever say anything to her about it? She goes, no, I was too scared to. Why are you too scared to? Because you weren't allowed to talk back to her or to ask her questions. You just had to listen. I see it all the time with coaches for athletes at younger levels. I have a saying that I've used for years. A good coach checks his or her ego at the door. It's not about the coach. It's not about the athletes. I've talked on this show forever about the fact that I think coaches need to be psychologists. You need to have a good understanding of the mental aspect of your athletes, how they function, how they don't function, what turns them on, what turns them off, how do you motivate them. Let's face it. Some athletes need to be pushed harder than others. We talk a lot about the topic of mental toughness. But a lot of athletes need to be supported and encouraged. I'm not saying coddled, although some do need that. But a lot of athletes need to have that support from a coach. When you strike out, instead of being glared at and yelled at and said something negative towards them, how about pat them on the back, say, get them next time, and maybe in between innings, let's talk about what you did there. Why would you swing at the ball in the dirt? Let's try to focus next time. I'm not doing that. Or in practices, work on that. So as a coach, are you trained in psychology? I want to open up our phone lines here and get some calls in here and see what you say. If you're a coach, if you're an athlete, what are your thoughts on that? As a coach, what kind of psychological training do you have in dealing with your athletes' confidence levels? How do you build up their confidence? Or have you found at times, I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach, if you have damaged or maybe destroyed an athlete's confidence you've had. You didn't realize it till later. I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach. If you're an athlete and you've had a coach mentally hurt you, harm you, what did they do? How did they destroy your confidence? How did they just, you know, give you a negative attitude, put fear in your eyes about wanting to be there, ruin your love for the sport? What did they do that did that? What did they do that resulted in that happening? I'd like to hear if you're a coach. What kind of psychological training do you have to become a coach? Is it in the sportsmanship things you learn before the season starts? 
you take a class in it? When you learn coaching styles, how much psychology is taught to you in those classes? Or if you're a coach, do you even learn those things? What I found is that many, many coaches shoot from the hip when it comes to psychology, to mindsets, to attitude, to confidence. You know, I talk all the time about four key words, preparation, focus, attitude, and confidence. Confidence being the foundation of everything. And what I see is many, many coaches let their egos get in the way, and they don't realize that they get upset at athletes for failing and screwing up and making mistakes because they're angry because the team is screwing up or losing, and they don't take into consideration how that affects those athletes. So I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach today. I'd like to hear if you, I'd like to get a coach brave enough to call in today who has psychologically hurt an athlete before without realizing it at the time and then realized it later. How did you come back from that? What did you do? Let's see if a coach is brave enough to call up and share that story. And if you're a coach, I want to hear from you about the type of training you've had psychologically to coach your athletes. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week. We talk about these topics on this show, and I'd like to hear from you. If you're a coach, give me a call. If you're an athlete and you've had a coach do this to you, help you or hurt you psychologically, I'd like to hear from you how they did it. Give me a call and let's talk. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years, and with that growth comes questions. What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head-on in sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, for your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. 
Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL, opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets. Anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week. We talk about the psychological side of sports on this show, mindsets, attitudes, things like that. Today's topic is this. As a coach, are you trained in psychology? What kind of education in your coaching training do you get about the mental side of working with your athletes? I always like to say you can have two athletes who are physically the same, the one with a stronger mind will come out on top. So as a coach, are you trained in terms of motivation, attitudes, and building confidence or destroying it? What are you taught about that? When you go through coaching training programs, how much emphasis is put on the psychological aspect? So I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach. Let's get some calls in here. Let's get a discussion going. If you're a coach, what have you been taught about psych- the psychological aspect of coaching? We always get loaded up with calls towards the end of the show, so now's a great time to call in. Let's get some discussion going about this. If you're a coach, do you find sometimes maybe you're not taught much about the mental part, especially about building or destroying confidence? How, do, how does that happen? Have you? I'd like to hear from a coach who's brave enough to call in and say, you know what, I've, I've hurt some athletes before, especially with their confidence, the things I've said or what I've yelled or screamed at them or how I've handled it. And if you did, did you learn from that? Did that make you better or did you end up quitting? I know a lot of coaches don't, I think most coaches don't mean to 
hurt an athlete's confidence or things like that. But what I find is that it happens a lot because their emotional, the emotional component of a co- as being a coach gets in the way. You get caught up in the action. You get upset. You may say something you regret later. And as I've said earlier, I, I have so many athletes I've worked with over the years, especially older athletes who will tell me they have confidence issues because of things that coaches told them when they were younger that have stuck around and played in their heads and play with them mentally. And when they start to fail, that message pops in again from when that coach yelled or screamed at them when they were younger. Let's talk to Kurt, see what he has to say. Kurt, good morning. How are you? Good. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, I just got a quick question. What do you say to a coach when you continually see them uh, hurting kids with what he says? Uh, every time they come to the bat, he's, you know, working them over. Um, to me, I think they should do it in practice, not in the game, because you see the kid lose all of his confidence as he comes to the plate. Okay, when you say, what do you say, meaning meaning yourself as a parent, or, or what do you, what do you yes. mean? Yes, in the stands, I mean, it's a parent, grandparent, uh, you know, how do you how do you approach the coach and go? Hey, you know, I really think that you're hurting the kid's confidence. Well, and that's why I brought this topic up today. So let's talk about it. Has I am assuming this has happened to your son or daughter, and you've seen it. Yes. Give, can you share an example? How How old's your child? Uh, they're they're young. I mean, and it's uh, grandkids. But they the coach comes in, and every time the kids, especially the kids that's struggling, when he comes to the plate. He's going over, try this, do this, do this, do this. You should do it in practice, not during the game. Right. And when the kid fails, you see him. He's running off, and they're still at the you know, uh, young age where it really affects them. I'm sure it affects older kids, too, but you see it. How, how, old, are, how old are your grandchildren you're talking Seven. about? Seven? Seven. Okay, yes. so the coach gets upset at them. and, and tr- He doesn't get upset. No, he over, you know, I, I think he overemphasizes everything that they do during the game. Well, and I just you know what do you say to him to say hey? Well, here you're you're in in a difficult situation as a grandparent because, you know, who are you to go up to a coach and say something right in one sense? You're thinking that, I'm assuming. Yeah. Okay. So, is this your son or your daughter's child? Son. Okay. What I would suggest you do is have your son give the coach a call. Or maybe go up to him at practice one day and say, hey, can I talk to you for a little bit? I want to talk, yes. talk to you about my son. One of the things I've noticed during the games, you know, I know you're trying. I am assuming the coach is, is trying to be positive, trying to be oh, upbeat. Yeah. Okay. Very but, well, me. But he's overcoaching. There's, there's, a, you know, there's a difference between overcoaching, being positive, and being negative. So my suggestion would be you have your son say to the coach, listen, can we talk for a minute? I want to talk to you about my son. I've noticed something in the games when you're trying to help him out. Actually, it's not helping him. I'm noticing it's, it's, it's causing more stress on him. So maybe not do that in the game. Maybe do it in practice. Just my suggestion as a parent with the way I know my son. What do you think about that? I think they've tried it. <laughs> oh, they have? Yeah. And he keeps doing it? Yeah. Well, then I'd tell him again. I mean, what's the harm in that? I'd tell him again, right. and then I'd sit there and think about it. Well, you know, maybe this is not a team we want to be on next year. Oh, it's not the team. I mean, they love the team. And uh, the guy, it's just, you know, some guys are amped up. Well, then then he needs to be told that again and say, look, you know, we, lo- we love being here. We love being on the team. But this, 
I've mentioned this to you before, and it's affecting my son's confidence, affecting how he feels about himself. Can you really try to make an effort? I'm noticing it's, 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 you're still doing it, and it's still bothering him. I just repeat it. I mean, yep. if there's the positive side of this going on, which it sounds like you're saying is happening, emphasize that, but emphasize the fact that this is still going on. And, and as a parent, you want him to know. He's seven years old. He can't speak for himself. And that's where I think as a parent you need to reinforce that. I appreciate it. Thank okay, you. good luck. Let me know how it, ha- how it works out. Okay, takes here. Thanks for your call. All right, as a coach, what are you trained in from the psychological perspective in terms of coaching your athletes? Are you taught about motivation? Are you taught about confidence? Are you taught about communicating with your athletes? And there, that, that's a situation with a seven-year-old. A seven-year-old where the coach tries to coach over coach during a game. And sounds like from this, from from Kurt's perspective, his grandson's getting overloaded. So that's where, to me, as a coach, you have to be a good psychologist. Look, some some kids can handle it. Some kids will sit there and soak it up, but some of them it overloads them and it confuses them. I think during a game, and and Kurt brought up a good point there. Coaching during a game, if you're older, if you're dealing with high school or college kids. Yeah, you can get into that more. But with younger kids, I don't think doing it during games is the time to do it. Doing it in practice is more the time. During games is the time to me be more supportive, encouraging, reinforcing. Even when they screw up, don't get upset about it. Reinforce it. Say, go get them next time. Good try. Good effort. Focus on the positive side. But if you have a young man or woman who can obviously get upset, then you need to try to focus more on that positive stuff with them. I want to hear from if you're a coach. If you coach kids, were you trained, did you get training in your coaching training about confidence, building it, destroying it, making it better, making it worse? What were you taught or were you taught anything at all? And when you have a young man or young lady who obviously has a confidence issue, what do you say to them? And I'd like to see if we have a coach brave enough to call today. Who has said something that's hurt a kid's confidence before? You've realized it, and you learned from that. It made you a better coach down the road. No, that's a difficult thing to admit on the air, but I'd like to hear from you to see if you're brave enough to call in and share that. But if you're a coach, what kind of training do you have in psychology? I want to hear from you if you're a coach. If you're a parent and your coaches of your kids show a lack of that, what do you say to them? I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. 
one more time. To get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project, so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. If you suffer from COPD symptoms like shortness of breath and fatigue, where do you turn? There are medications and oxygen, but do you know about pulmonary rehab? Three out of five COPD patients have never heard of it. Pulmonary rehab is an exercise, education, and support program that gives you tools to manage your condition, and Medicare typically pays for it. So whether it's grocery shopping on your own or just walking across the room, pulmonary rehab can help you. Visit livebetter.org to find out about your options for pulmonary rehab today. Here's farmer and landowner John Prue. We purchased the land about three years ago, and there was an old farmstead on there with trees. We were going to clear the land so we could farm through it. We thought we knew where the pipe was, so we didn't call to get it located. The work on our property led to the damage of a light crude pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. As I mentioned earlier, our show's now on in up to 10 cities around the country. I'm glad our uh, list is growing and hopefully we'll continue to grow and get bigger. Talk about the mental side of sports. We're really one of the only shows in the country that gets into this every week. Been on the radio now for 28 years, the last 18 here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. We started syndicating the show this past year, and uh, we're growing, which I'm excited about. Today's topic is this. Coaching 
And as a coach, what are you trained in in psychology? Are you trained psychologically, mentally, to work with your athletes? What are you taught, if anything, about dealing with confidence, about dealing with success and failure? How do you help your athletes overcome issues when they have them? Do you avoid it? Do you ignore them? What kind of training do you get mentally? And I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach. Is it an on-the-job type of training that you get? Because really in your coaching training manuals, there's really nothing you learn or taught. You've got to figure it out on your own. Or do you have specific things you're taught as a coach? I'd like to hear from you in your training. What are you taught about the mental side, about confidence, about success and failure, how to motivate an athlete or how to hurt an athlete? I mentioned at the top of the show, I've had dozens and dozens and dozens of athletes, several hundred now in the 38 years I've been in practice, who've come into my office and have had issues with this. And it's a problem successful athletes have because that message reverberates in the back of their head about what their coach told them when they were younger about how they sucked or they weren't any good or they choked. Or they got yelled at because they struck out or missed a shot or screwed up. And the coach got angry at them. And that mess, that, that image of their coach's face sticks, sticks in their head. It, 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 it sticks there and they can see it even five, ten years later. So as a coach, what are you taught? And what do you do if you have screwed up as a coach with an athlete? How do you come back from that? How do you handle that? We have our second caller with the name of Kurt today. Kurt, good morning. How are you? Hey, how are you? Great. Thank you for calling in. So I really appreciate this segment. So I'm a coach who is, has uh, probably been less than um, less than nice to some kids from time to time. Well, thanks um, for calling in. I'm glad you were brave enough to do, call in and share that on the earth. So well, let's talk about part, it. part of it is you've got to recognize your own failings. So to give you my background, um, I came from a very, very successful high school football program. Um, that was very driven, and the expectations were very, very high. Um, as a player? So, yeah, and this was in the, as a player, in high school football program, and this was in the um, late 80s, mid mid to late 80s. Okay. Um, and the, the, the coaches were very direct in what their expectations are, and if you made mistakes, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, Excuse me, when you say very direct, share with us what you mean by that. Um, they, you know, we were a state championship program, and not only did the players on the program expect everybody to um, excel, um, the coaches expected everybody to excel too. So, if you made a mistake, they were not afraid to let you know um, that you made a mistake and you need to do better. And quite frankly, that was my environment I came up in, so I didn't mind that much. So, yeah, when they so. let you know, did they do it in a harsh way, in a supportive way? When you, how would they they communicate that to you? Between the whole coaching staff, it was it was all all three combined. You would either get an insult, you'd get yelled at, or um, you'd get a supportive. So you just didn't know what you're going to get sometimes with the coaching staff. Okay. Makes sense. Yes. It was a good Friday of coaching staff. It was I would fair to say it was balanced. If you needed a hug, there was somebody there to give you a hug. If you needed to get yelled at, there was somebody to give you get you yelled at. Um, you know that sort of thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so you had both ends of it then. Yeah. Yeah, so fast forward to it, um, you know, I coach youth sports, soccer. Um, I never really had any um, um, training psychologically, 
the soccer model is a lot different than the football model um, as a as a professionally you know as a as a licensed coach they expect you to to look at different facets of the game technical tactical physical and psychological so that was the first training and that training comes through our United States Soccer Federation program mm-hmm. is when you get a professional license they they expect you to make sure you can consider the psychological aspects of the game that you're taking care of the player mentally as well. Th- that being said, I- I've made mistakes and, and, um, you know, I've got, I've had people who are my, um, superiors at that soccer club have direct conversations with me and they were good and positive and they got me corrected. So can you get, could I, you share an example of where maybe you did something where you went over the edge? Well, there was a, there was a kid who, um, I, I'll remember there was a, there was a kid who in a game, did not uh, appropriately um, hustle to make a play on the ball, and that play resulted in the other player that he sh- that that player should have defended scoring a goal. And um, instead of pulling him off the field and talking to him, I was pretty harsh to him from the sideline, and that was not good. So, so how did you it. learn from that? Well, as a coach, you have to every season you have to go back and reflect. You have to take in all the impact. You have to recognize that that parents are different now than they were back when I played high school football. There was, there was no such thing as a parent would ever challenge a coach in anything in the eighties. I'm sure you're probably aware of that. Yes. Um, but it's different now. Parents, parents drive the parents drive the drive the deal. And you've got to be, you've got to be cognizant of that. You know, it's interesting. I, I did not play football. I was too small. I played tennis. My father was a physician and, and absolutely refused to let me play football. The high school I went to, Shawnee Mission North, we went state all three years I was there. Lost one game the whole time I was there. A bunch of my friends played. Yep. And in much the same way, we had uh, some coaches that were would, would ride them. But we also had one coach named Merlin Gish, which the track at Shawnee Mission North is named after. He's also the track coach that everybody I knew loved the guy. Because even though he'd push people, he pushed them in a positive way. And yep. was very supportive. So... So the key thing, Kurt, is how have how has all this made you better now? What what do you think you've learned from this whole situation? Well, you know, you just every bit of feedback you get, you take it, um, and you just realize that that the to me, you have to recognize that the environment is different now than it was um, back when you were coming up, and that's where I struggled the most. You know, I'm kind of a disciplinarian. That's how I'm wired. But there's no, um, but there's but, nothing wrong in that. There's nothing wrong in that, I, but I think the key thing is recognize that you've got on a soccer team, you've got, what, 14? At what age are you coaching? You, these are 15-year-old boys. Okay, so you've got, what, about a dozen to 14 kids in the team? 16. 16 kids, okay. Yeah. My guess is most of them are probably going to listen to you and take what you say, but you might have two or three that you can probably tell if you get a little hard on them, you can say they may be going to shell. I mean, that that's just sort of you know, journalizing, but I'm guessing you probably Absolutely. got some. Okay. So, I, 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 to me, the reflection point is I've got to do better in reading the kids. So it, I'm, I'm not going to sit there and be stubborn and say, no, I didn't do anything wrong. I just got to do a better job reading the kids. So what do you have? Okay. So what, but what do you have to do to do that? How do you think you change that yourself? Well, to me, you've got to start at a lower, to me, than where I'm coming from. And what I've learned, start with a lower tempo, figure out which kids are the ones that are going to be driving themselves. Those are probably the ones you can push and figure out which kids need more. Um, I need to find themselves on a soccer field. 
Along the line of that, one of the things I always tell people, you know, I always talk about mental preparation on this show. As a coach, I think it's just as important for you to be mentally prepared for practice as well as games. And, you know, if you come into practice and you're coming off a bad day at work, you're grouchy, you're irritable, you don't want to take that into work with these kids because they're going to pick up on that right away and shut you down mentally. They're not going to listen to what you're saying. So you've got to get yourself prepared, too. So if you're in a bad mood or something like that and you may jump down some, a kid's throat because you're in a bad mood, that's not going to help either. Well, I, I would love to tell you that I've never been cranky after we're going to practice. That's a <laughs> different reality. Right, right. Well, listen, it sounds like you've got a grasp on this. I appreciate you calling in and sharing that because that that's why I brought this up today. So hey, hopefully some people about, learn from what you're talking about. It's all about getting better. All about getting better is, is you're gonna if you're a coach, you're going to make mistakes. You've got to learn from your mistakes, and you can always get better. You can always learn more. Well, great comments. Listen, sir, thank you for calling in. Thanks for sharing. And good luck coaching. Sounds like Sounds like you're doing a great job. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Take care. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Great call. I want to hear from you. If you're a coach, how do you coach confidence? Have you ruined some kids' confidence or have you built it up? This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years, and with that growth comes questions. What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head-on in sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, Just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click Products. One more time, for your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. Here's farmer and businessman James Wood. We farm about 3,500 acres. There's pipelines everywhere. The contractor working on my property did not have the lines located before he began work, and it resulted on a strike on a natural gas pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety campaign. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. 
UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week. We talk about all kinds of psychological issues on this show. I've been in practice for 38 years here in the Kansas City area, 28 years on the radio, and we get into mindsets on this show. And today's topic is this, the issue of coaching and your training as a coach. And I'd like to hear from you as a coach. We've had a couple of great calls today about how you coach athletes. Are you trained in the psychological component of coaching as a coach? Or do you just take a class on fundamentals, listen to a video on sportsmanship, and you go out there and coach? If you are a coach, have you psychologically maybe hurt your athletes before? I'm guessing most, usually unintentionally, but have you done things or said things where you ended up maybe harming them in some way and causing their confidence to go down, causing their motivation to go down? You can see their shoulders slump, their body language changes because of something you said. Did you recognize it or did you not recognize it? You know, our first caller called up about he was a grandparent, goes to watch his seven-year-old at their games and sees the coach get overly zealous, overly involved, trying to coach everything during a game, and it's overloading his grandson. And he's been told once by the father he's doing it, but he keeps doing it. And I said, hey, the father needs to tell him again. So as a coach... Does your ego sometimes get in the way? I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach and find out how you coach the mental aspect of coaching, how you address it, how you approach it, how you deal with it. I've mentioned a couple times on this show today about athletes I've worked with over the years, professional athletes, Olympic athletes, who will tell me that one of the biggest barriers to their success is a message that reverberates in their head that they heard from a coach when they were younger. When they failed or screwed up or made a mistake, or they got yelled at, screamed at, degraded, insulted, cut down, told they were a failure, told they're not any good. And that message sticks in their head. Even though they're good enough to be professional or an Olympic-level athlete, they still have that message holding them back. I've had all pros, all-stars, who've worked with me, who've had this issue in their mind. They've been able to overcome it because of their ability, psychologically and physically, to overcome things. But they've always told me, it still holds me back. I had a very, very prominent major league pitcher who, as a little league pitcher, was very, very good. 
as a high school pitcher, very, very good. One of the top ranked, even though I, I still can't figure out how these rankings come up with, but one of the top ranked pitchers is a 16-year-old in the country. But he had a coach who would get on him if he walked somebody. And as a major league pitcher, that would, when he walked someone, he says, Doc, I still remember my high school coach yelling at me when I walked somebody. He's in the major leagues, and it still hit him. So as a coach, how do you overcome that aspect of coaching and get better at it? Do you have some training you go through, or is it just on-the-job training? How do you learn that? Something I've actually thought about putting a webinar together to talk about this. Because it's something that I see many, many people don't really get. As a parent, have you had a coach, coach your son or daughter, who has said some things to them that has hurt them, psychologically harmed them or affected them in a negative way? And what do you say as a parent then? Do you say something to them? Do you not say something? Are you scared to say something? How do you handle that? And if you're an athlete and you've had a coach degrade you or insult you before, has that message stayed with you? Has it stuck in the back of your head? Has it affected you when you've screwed up in a competition? You know, we, we train so much on the physical aspect of sport. But the psychological part is so hard to measure and evaluate. You can't, you know, I, I ask athletes when they come in my office on a scale of 1 to 10, one being low, ten being high. Where's your level of self confidence? And it, it ranges. I've I've never had anybody come in and tell me it's a ten. I've had a few people come in with eights and nines. Most are coming to see me anywhere between a two and a six. Why is it there? Well, negativity. Something a coach told me. Something a parents told me. Something a teammates told me. Dealing with failure. Dealing with screwing up. Many will say they're perfectionists. And they've had coaches who'll get mad at them if they screw up. I have a young man I've worked with who's a high school baseball pitcher. Just graduated high school this, this past month. Last year as a junior, he's starting a game. His coach says to him before the game, if you walk someone, you're coming out of the game. I'm thinking, why would somebody say that? To a starting pitcher, if you walk someone, you're coming out of the game. So guess what he did in the first batter? Walks him on a full count. The coach walks out, says, I told you to walk someone, you're out. You're out. And the, and the pitcher's like, coach, I've thrown six pitches. You're out. You walk someone, you're out. Get off the mound. So he gives the coach the ball, walks off, and his mom threw a few expletives out from the top of the bleachers, vaulted off the bleachers, and took off. Now, what kind of a message did that leave with this young man? Well, that's why he came in and we worked on that. His mom came in, too. She apologized to him, apologized to the coach. But you know what? When you're sitting there watching your child and they walk the first batter, the coach takes them out of the game, I wouldn't be too happy either. And that left an impact on this young man of a lack of respect for that coach for the rest of the season. He's going to pitch in college, so he's pretty good. And he took that as a learning experience. So as a coach, when you screw up, because we're all human, 
How do you handle it? Do you sit there and apologize to the kids? Do you talk to them about it if you've made a mistake? Do you admit, you know what, I was wrong, sorry, won't do it again? Or do you not say anything? I think one of the great aspects of some of the best coaches I've ever worked with is their ability to admit when they've screwed up and admit it to the athletes, talk about it with them. You know, we're all human. We all make mistakes. I don't care who you are, what you do for a living. No one's perfect. But it's amazing how many people come into my office that I work with, athletes and coaches together, who will say, I'm a perfectionist. And I'll then ask them, well, who have you met is perfect? And they go, no one. Well, then how can you be something no one is? And it's amazing how many of these young athletes will look at me and sort of smile and go, oh, I never thought about it that way. You know, I've had coaches tell me I have to do it just right. I have to be perfect. Well, you can't be perfect. You want to be as close to perfect as you can, but whatever that's going to be. But it may only be per- that you may throw the perfect pitch, but then you got to throw another one. Rarely does anyone strike out the side on nine pitches. It just happened this past week. Chris Sale did it against the Kansas City Royals. He struck out three batters on nine pitches. I think they call it the perfect inning, if I'm correct. He's done that twice this year. Very rarely does something like that happen. Mistakes are going to happen. So as a coach, when you're coaching your athletes, when you're working with them, and you have made a mistake, you've said something you shouldn't have said, maybe you lost your temper, you said something negative, you cut them down, do you recognize that? How do you overcome that? I think a lot of it has to do with training. And I think in in the training you get as a coach – A big piece of that should be about dealing with self-confidence, dealing with the confidence of your athletes, how to coach success, how to coach failure. We spend so much time in youth sports wanting to win, wanting to be number one, wanting to be the best. I think if you've listened to this show, you know I talk about my definition of winning is doing your best, not necessarily having to come in first place. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Our shows are podcasted here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. Click on the additional programming app or button on the app, and you'll find our show. Our shows are podcasted on my website, winnersunlimited.com, under the podcast page. You can reach me at my office, 816-561-5556. Follow me on Twitter at drjsportspsych. Send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com or give me a call at my office, 816 816- Five six one five 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 six. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Have a great week. Be positive. Have fun. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. 
For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section, when dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. <laughs> 